Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter, underscore NJ Watson. And today we continue our deep dive into what goes on behind every major TV writing program as we now take a look at the CBS Writers Mentoring Program. And to do that, we're joined by a very special guest, Jeannie Mao, Senior Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion at CBS. Welcome, Jeannie. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hey, glad Hi. to have you on. Thanks for being here. Like with all our episodes on the TV writing programs, we will be covering everything from the application process and the selection process to the program itself and what comes after. So let's get started. First off, can you just give us a brief history and overview of the CBS Writers Mentoring Program? So we're in our currently our 16th season and it's a writing program that focuses a little bit about the craft, but more about the aspect of the business at hand, which doesn't necessarily get taught or told to aspiring writers in school. So we really focus on the business of branding oneself and networking. Our job is to find the right staff for you where we believe you have the best staying power. We ultimately want to build content creators, and that's our main goal for the program. And why do you feel writers programs like yours are so important to this industry? I think it's an access program. You're going to get the job based on your ability to write and your ability to sell yourself, not based on any other aspect, but it's an access program for people who participate that don't necessarily have the access to agents and managers or relationships with showrunners that other people might have. Absolutely. And what are the dates of the program from application through to the actual program itself? Sure. So the application process starts on March 1st. That's when we open up submissions and it ends on May 1st. And it's an online application. You submit a spec or a pilot or a short story and a pilot, or a play and a pilot. You submit a resume and you submit a letter of interest. And we get about 1,000 to 1,300 applicants in any given year. And who is usually eligible to apply? So we're looking for people of color. We're looking for women. We're looking for writers in the LGBTQ community. And pretty much anyone with a diverse perspective as well, they all get read blindly. So our professional readers do not get access to the name, bio, or any personal information. It really is the writing at the very start. And just briefly, how did you come to be in this position? What did you do before this? So before I was a diversity and inclusion executive, I worked as a current programming executive for the past 15 years. So I covered shows on a day-to-day basis like Two and a Half Men and some of the CSIs. And I'm dating myself the King of Queens (laughs) and Still Standing. And I've covered a bunch of the NCISs. So I've been with the company for a while, but really kind of growing the diversity and inclusion department in its own right, to its own department. And I've been with the department for three years. And to that point of diversity, can you define the program's definition of diversity? Well, it's a bit broad because we have people in the program that are Caucasian, that are LGBT. I mean, it's it, it's very specific in the sense that we're looking to provide access to people of color. Bottom line, we've had people who were refugees and wanted a leg in in terms of access and they didn't get it. So many different facets of what diversity means to us, but primarily it's for women and people of color looking to enter the system. So in terms of the scripts, do you prefer spec scripts or original scripts or both? So in order to apply and completely apply, you need to submit two scripts. One of them must be a spec. So that's the baseline. The other thing needs to be either a pilot, short story, or a play. 
Quite frankly, we focus a lot of our critique initially on the original piece of material because it tells us it informs us about your specific voice. But I think the spec and also informs us in terms of how much you want to work for television, right? And not a lot of people have a ton of specs. And two, if you are able to write to the voice of another show, which ultimately is what we're going to staff you on, not your show, but somebody else's show. So it's an exercise more than it is everyone write a bunch of specs for the sake (laughs) of it, but more informing us in terms of your ability to adapt to a different show that's not your own. And what are some of those elements that you look for in either that spec script, uh, you mentioned how similar or how accurate it can be to the show itself, as well as what you're looking for in that original piece? Sure. So first, let's start with the spec. The spec is really an exercise in understanding the tone of somebody else's show. So tone, character, structure, because structure, you basically copy the structure of that show. So like I said, it's an exercise in understanding the nature of someone else's show. So we focus a lot on tone and structure, and obviously a well-developed character that you understand the tone of that specific character. That's really important. And then in terms of original, less about structure and about kind of where the acts break, but more about original voice, like the sense of character. Is the character really fleshed out? Is this a character that we want to go on that journey with? What are their flaws? What are their motivations? What's the engine that's driving this pilot or this original that you want us on board with? So a lot of times people think they have to write something broadcast original, and it's not true, right? Anything that you love that you believe is going to be your strongest sample. Right. It doesn't have to be a CBS. No, not at all. And quite frankly, we don't get a ton of CBS specs. And a lot of the originals aren't necessarily CBS theme. You know, we do a lot of crime procedurals. A lot of them aren't. But, you know, we love reading that original fresh voice that might have nothing to do with the genre that we typically do at CBS. Hmm. And just quickly on the spec scripts, do you have a list of shows you accept or not? Or It's typically a show that has been produced within the last broadcast season. There's a little bit of wiggle room because there's year-round programming. So, I mean, it's not a hard out in terms of the rule, but I would say something that's been produced in the last two cycles because cycles now bleed into each other. All right. So you also accept stage plays and short stories for that original Mm -hmm. piece. And why, why is that? I think it lends to the person's voice. I think we love those. It gives us a better sense of who they are. The structure is obviously very different, but it really gives us a full-bodied understanding, especially if we, when we get playwrights. And that's what they know, and that's what they love, and that's their strong suit. But if their spec's really good, they obviously can adapt to the system that we're trying to put them through. And what are some of the common mistakes that you find in people's scripts, either original samples or specs? It runs the gamut. A lot of it, it's getting to the really broad place of like, let's shock the heck out of them for the sake of grabbing their attention, but failing to understand the structure. I think it's taking a lot of liberties for the sake of it. And that's always tricky because material is so subjective, but we want to make sure that we're putting you in a space where we think you're going to be suitable for a specific show. I think it's just... Understanding your character. I think what we've had in the past is, especially on pilots, there's so much that people want to get on the page that they neglect the protagonist's story. Or they, like there's 15 characters, but you take up so much real estate trying to lay in plot and story and establishing these characters' backgrounds that you lose sight of your one and two engine. Right, they get diverted by the world instead of the characters. Right, because the world is just the aesthetics. It's just Mm -hmm. the wallpaper that paints kind of where they're in. 
and all that other stuff shouldn't matter. It should be really, who are these characters? Like, who's your one and two characters and why I care, why I want to care, why I relate, why I empathize, why I, you know, like, what's the motivating emotion that's going to drive me to get to the end of the script to be like, oh, my gosh, that was amazing. I don't know that world, but I thought it was amazing. That's what you want. You mentioned people being kind of overly provocative for the sake of it. What are your thoughts on those stunt specs that you hear about where someone's written a crossover between two shows or a show where it does something rapidly out of the departure of that show? It makes me question their ability to write the grounded standalone episode that we do so well here at CBS. And that's where I struggle with. And like, while the concept may be great, and you're writing the season finale of some show or something, where you're cross pollinating different characters from different shows, it leaves me wondering about your ability to write tonally the show of that specific spec or the original where Big Broad is great, But on page 10, I need something more meaty to hang on to. And can you walk us through the reading system for the scripts? Is there some sort of uh, scoring system or different reads? Well, we don't give that information up. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. But we do have professional readers that have been with us for a long time that get our sensibility. And they read for us blindly, like I said before. We read probably the top 5%. And then we have tiebreaker readers as well. And we read kind of the top 5 to 10% of those that rise to the top. The thing that we also take into very much account, and I've said this over and over again publicly, is your letter of interest. Your letter of interest is sort of your third sample. It's your elevator pitch. It's your thing that's going to set you apart from the other really great writer that has come through the door. And let's assume 20% of all the material is really, really great. But what's going to set you apart and get you that interview is your letter of interest. And what goes into making a great letter of interest? What are you looking for? Well, it shouldn't be a generic cover letter because that tells me nothing about yourself. It should tell me about who you are as a writer and maybe what motivated you as a writer or maybe something about who you are as a person, what you do professionally. It needs to pull away the curtain about more than you just being a writer, but who you are as a person. Because at the end of the day, I'm sort of your in-house agent and manager, and I'm trying to match make you with a showrunner or a show that may not necessarily be aligned with your sensibility ultimately, but I think you'd be a good match and I think you'd be able to thrive there. So it's matchmaking. And do you look for some sort of maybe thematic connection between the letter of interest and the samples that people submit? Well, I'd love for it to inform me on why you write this type of comedy, drama, genre, science, whatever that is. I want it to inform me so I can better inform my team in terms of where we can best staff you or if you're right for the program, quite frankly. And do you think it's important for people to have sort of a brand or a specific area of interest as a writer? Sure, but we build all that Mm -hmm. when you're in the workshops. We build a brand, a career strategy. We work on everything about you as a business, you as a commodity, how to sell yourself, how to articulate your pitch. We do improv night. It's kind of boot camp-ish in the sense that we prepare you for the worst, hoping you never have to deal with those situations while in a showrunner meeting or in a room. But it really is about everything, the business, more than it is about the craft of writing. And to that, what stage do you feel people should apply? Uh, Is there such a thing as too much experience or too little experience? No. So in the years past, most of the people in our program, they're working professionals. A lot of them aren't right out of grad school or out of school, which is so wonderful, especially to any new show, is if somebody comes with a different skill set. So right now we have a practicing attorney. We have a gentleman in our group right now. He's an investigative journalist for NPR. 
In years past, we've had an influx of ER doctors wanting to transition out of the practice of medicine and into writing television. Like all those things are wonderful because what showrunners see is like I can mine stories out of these not young writers, but new writers to television in terms of what value they can bring to the room. So to answer your question, we definitely are seeing a lot of people with PhDs, a lot of people with extended degrees, but at the same time with life experience, which is stuff you really can't get anywhere else. And when looking at the application as a whole, are there certain parts of it that are more important to you or weighted more, whether it's the original, the spec, the letter of interest, or is it all considered equally? I would say the original is probably weighed more alongside equally with your letter of interest. There's been really good material that's come in and then the letter of interest not so great and we will omit you from consideration. It definitely is very valuable to us. And do you feel there are other common mistakes that people make when submitting their entire application? I think people fail to take the opportunity to spend some time on their letter of interest, honestly. That's where I think people realize I got to work on my samples and it needs to be really good. But we can't emphasize enough that your letter of interest is your third sample. It's so vital to getting you into the program and having a compelling story or a compelling motivation to wanting to be in the program is so essential because the program's not just a year long. It's a career long program. And we are pitching writers who are now co-EPs and producers and supervising producers who are alum that are transitioning out of a show or out of a pod or whatever that is onto a new show. And we advocate on their behalf as well. So moving on from the application to the selection process itself, can you walk us through how you whittle people down from stage to stage, how many applications are received, how many people go through each round? So we get about 1,000 to 13 applications and times that by two because that's two pieces of material. So a lot of reading gets done in the months leading up to our selection process. And then in about August, we select probably between 25 and 35 semifinalists. And we bring them in and we interview them. It's a pretty grilling interview. And we go through kind of who they are, what they are, what they do, why they write, if they've been writing since yesterday or if they've been writing six or seven years ago. Like really their story and maybe a little bit less about their material, but who they are as people. And then by August, we decide between six to eight writers. And in years past, we've had up to 10 writers, comedy and drama, whatever the best is. And there are years where we've only had drama writers and there are years where we've had seven drama writers and four comedy writers. It just all depends, the best of the best. And they are told in September if they have been welcomed into the program. And what is the process for that interview? Do you have any specific questions that you enjoy asking? Oh, no, I'm giving away all our secrets. (laughs) Really, it's really open-ended. Tell us about yourself, why you want to be a writer, what you watch. It would help if you watched a little bit of television. Um, What show they would love to work on. So do a little homework about the company that you're coming in to meet with is kind of basic. You'd be surprised. And just really about kind of what they believe they could benefit out of the program. And then we give them a little bit of the philosophy of what the program is and the structure of the program, assuming they've already done some research on it. Do you want them to be speaking to having watched CBS shows and CBS shows they'd like to work on or just anything? I think anything. You know, we staff on CW shows. We have Showtime. We have All Access. Understanding a little bit about what we do here as a company, the CBS Corporation, but giving us a full sense of like where you'd like to work. And if genre is your thing, 
maybe CW, let's look at that. But that's further down the road. But not be beholden to the fact that they have to be in love with every piece of content we put out as a network. No. And you mentioned also asking about that portfolio. Is there anything specifically that you're looking for in that ensemble? Volume. Like the volume of, I've been at this for a while. I've been diligent at it. This is part of my job and I get up and write every day. And this is what I love to write. This is what I started out writing and this is what I write now. We want to be able to take you seriously as a writer and maybe you're not just dabbling in because you used to be a feature writer and I'm going to dabble it. Like that informs me, right? So we, we want people to be in it for, for the long haul. Are there any common mistakes or things that you find people get tripped up on in those interviews or don't do as best as they could? Oh, so many. <laughs> so we bring in some people and their material's really, really strong. But if the interview's not great at all, it'll sabotage your ability to get in the program. So, and I say this often and at every panel that I speak at, like 50% is your material being good, but the other 50 is closing in an interview. Because at the end of the day, television is such a collaborative process. If you're in a room with another 10 other people that maybe don't look like you or have your life experience and you can't survive that, no good writing is going to give you the ability to survive in any room. So 50% is closing in the room. And if you're able to do that, or if I'm able to see that there is such potential in you being willing to get to that place, that's essential. So interviewing is so, so important. And how do you gauge that social ability in the interview process or in the room? We've been doing it for 16 years. We're really good at reading that. I think it's understanding that writers come with all different perspectives and personalities, but it's knowing that this writer is moldable, this writer is willing to put in the work, this writer may write this but is willing to do something else, especially starting out professionally. It's sort of like dating. Like, do I want to hang out with this person for 12 hours? Because if I do, this is somebody that I can see myself advocating for a specific show. But if they come in and they're awkward and it's tough and maybe they come in with a chip on a shoulder or they act entitled or... Whatever it is, it that's just not a place we want to go down because I can't undo that as quickly as I can say, you know what, loosen up. Let's We're going to build your confidence over the next 16 weeks. We're going to work on your articulation. We're going to work on your pitch. We're going to work on your elevator pitch. What's your story? We're going to dig deep. Those are some of the things that I'm like, okay, we've got something here. But there have been many times where – People come in and they're writing so good and they just don't close. And it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. And so you've got these 25, 30 people coming in. What are some of the key differentiators between the people who do make it through to that final round and be one of the lucky six to 10? So many people apply over and over again. We've had teams that have applied four or five years. And we love that. We love tracking the evolution of people as writers because we know it's a marathon and not a sprint. And we love seeing kind of their growth. So it's about the determination of wanting to do this and how bad do you want it? How willing are you to take advantage of these programs is key. I think it's also energy. It's about energy. It really is. It's about energy. It's about personality. It's about having strong communication skills. It's about having good listening skills. I think it's just being really personable because every room's different. Some rooms you don't, you're not supposed to speak until a certain time. And some rooms you're like, Equal playing field, speak up. I don't care what title you are, join in. 
But if we can navigate that for anyone and we get that they can pick that up, then we're good because you'll know your placement when you enter a room and how to navigate that and prove your value. So you did just mention that you encourage people to reapply often. Are there any specific lessons that people should take based on how far they made it in the selection process? Don't apply with the same material. That doesn't make any sense. And people do. We specifically and explicitly put it on our site. Do not apply with the same material. (laughs) You will not get in. But we love that there is an evolution in writing and we track that. And like I said, there are many people in our program who have applied multiple times, and we fully embrace that because it's so important to the process. And it informs us that you're diligent at the craft because we open submissions every year. And if you have material every year, that informs us that you've actually been doing the work. So do applicants ever receive feedback, uh, whether it's on their material or their strengths and weaknesses in the interview? No. Maybe in the interview, and sometimes we give it right in the interview, if they're open to it, we want to be as constructive as possible because we see so much potential. We're really big on feedback, but not on the right. On the writing, it's no. I mean, the volume would not allow us or afford us that time. Now, let's dig into the actual program itself. And firstly, what do you see are the unique strength of the CBS Writers Mentoring Program? The strength, I think, is that we're looking at the long game. We're looking at the career building long game. We want writers to be content creators. We want them to have a seat at the table. And that's the component of what we fundamentally believe in, in terms of the methods of what we teach. So while it's great that we staff you and all that wonderful thing, it's about the long game. Because there are people who have been in our program that didn't staff the year they were in, but staff subsequent years, and we've helped them get staffed. But it's really about the long game. Because at the end of the day, if you have a seat at the table when you are a content creator, you can influence who gets hired, what stories to tell, what cast are cast, what your crew looks like, who's your producer director, what directors you're hiring. So it's the bigger picture of being more influential down the road, as opposed to just the soldier, one of many staff and jumping from staff. We want showrunners. We want to produce. It's a showrunner producer program. Can you just give us a general overview of the program and how it runs, as well as the time commitment? Sure. So all the people in our program are working professionals, like I said before. You are not under contract. So let's say you get in. We start our program in September, and in September to December, we match you up with an executive mentor. But let's back up a bit. Before you get in, you meet with an executive mentor, and if they are willing to mentor you, that ultimately puts you over the edge in terms of being invited in. So it needs to be a match not only between me and Carol Kirshner, who helps me run the program, it needs to be a match with the executive mentor who is a current or development exec here at the Studio Network. That person works with you within three months on a new piece of material, typically a pilot or a spec. At the end of the three months, which we're now in January, ideally that piece of material is ready to go out for staffing or representation, right? So those three months, they're working on a piece of material. We're getting feedback on a regular basis. There's a guideline and a timeline. So that's the writing aspect of the program. And then from January to about April, one night a week, we do workshops. And this is where kind of the meat and potatoes of the program comes in. And it's everything about the business. We bring in showrunners, and they 
break stories. We bring in showrunners and we do a bunch of mock interviews in front of everyone. And that's where you get your feedback. We do an improv night. We do an agent night and a manager night. And we invite our agent and manager friends who are looking to sign that have signed for us over and over again. So the reputation of who we have and what they're looking for, we bring them in. So we're building a team around you. We do a business plan, a career plan. We target shows. It's really about the business. And at the end, well, right now, we're in April. My job is to staff you. And we have six people in our program now. We've staffed one so far. So we have five more to go. And at the top of the program, you mentioned that the writers are encouraged to write that new sample. What do you hope that they learn by writing a new original material or spec in that time frame? It's an exercise in the process. And it's not even tight because they have three months. On any episodic or on every television show, you don't have that luxury. (laughs) I think it begins to give them a sense of what it's like to work on a television show and receive notes. And, you know, to respond. So they do a pitch and they come in with three ideas. They do a beat sheet. They do an outline and back and forth, back and forth notes. Draft one, you know, draft two. And they go through the exercise of writing as if they were a television writer. And you mentioned this program. You're looking to create content creators as well. So uh, the stuff that they're writing being considered for development or pilots or anything here? Staffing. Staffing. It's real. I mean, yes, there's some material where we sent out to be like, this should be developed. But we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because they've never been staffed. And while the material is really great, I need to focus on kind of the stepping stones to get me to a place where I can be like, she should develop this. And the wonderful thing is now we have people in our program who are now developing. And they develop every year and they staff and all that wonderful stuff. We have showrunners in our program who were once an alumni 10, whatever, 12 years ago. So the objective for the piece of material is really to staff. And you brought up all those uh, workshops and even improv classes. What are some of those ways that you help the writers be efficient in a writer's room? I think it's figuring out how to add value to a room as a writer, as a diverse writer, as a writer from a program. I think it's understanding the nuances of how rooms are different. I think it's also understanding how to play the game a bit in terms of What motivates different writers? I think it's understanding sometimes there's an apparent hierarchy in the room. It's all the nuances of navigating the business of writing more than it is the actual writing. I think it's figuring out how to be of certain value so that we're looking at retention, right? That long game, how to stay, how to survive under pressure, how to deal with notes, maybe how to deal with a boss that isn't so welcoming of you necessarily. It's all those things we get out of the way. So it's a rigorous program and it's very, very vulnerable because we put you through some really vulnerable situations where you are being critiqued in front of your peers and in front of actual showrunners who are writing and running shows. The feedback is so constructive, but it's pretty grueling in a wonderful way because what it does is it it prepares you like you'd be in a room and you're like okay bring it to the sense like you could be in a room and the worst case scenario is that producers sitting on their computer not paying you any attention how do you navigate those rooms or how do you navigate different types of egos that tend to come up and work through that while still keeping your head above water. It's essentially putting them in a vulnerable position. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What are the ways that participants can make the best use of the program and the opportunities they're being given while they're in it? 
What we love about our program is they all keep in touch with each other and, you know, they form Facebook groups, they go out socially, they become a mini room while they're comedy and drama writers. We share material with each other. Like I said, it is open. There's no ego. You check it at the door because we're going to make you better at your brand and at yourself in terms of how you sell yourself. They keep in touch. One of the workshops, we have alumni night and about 75 alums come back and talk about their experience. And we have alumni that are running shows, that are either executive story editors. We have some that have producing deals, like run the gamut. And it's this phenomenal community of support and about best practices, like what I did wrong and what I shouldn't have done or what happened on this show as opposed to that show. And some of the things that you get when you enter a show as a diversity program writer, like what those things are, which is a thing, right? So it's how to navigate those things, which are, it's invaluable. The information is invaluable and the best practices are great. But our group, we love it. It's not artificial. They create these amazing bonds that ultimately they're going to hire from within at the end of the day. That's great. And do you encourage those writers in the program to seek out opportunities while they are in that program? Or do you recommend that they focus on the workshops and the content itself? Oh, no. Last year, we had April Shee, and she was writing on an FX show, and she participated in the program. Like, we want you to staff anywhere. Our job is to get you working somewhere. So years past, Julie Wong staffed on Grey's Anatomy. We've had people staff on non-CBS shows, and we celebrate and we welcome that. In full disclosure, all the networks and studios, we are so collaborative in terms of the DNI space, the diversity and inclusion space. We want our people and their people to staff anywhere we think that they're going to be best suited for. We're so collaborative that, you know, the writers from Kate usually come through our program. People go to NBC and they come to our program, like back and forth. It is a great community of support. So, yes, the answer is we want them to staff. And if they staff two weeks into the program, phenomenal. So flowing on from that, talking about staffing, how do you work with your studio and the industry at large to get the writers from the program staffed? So being in business for this long and having this program run the way it's run, and we obviously course correct over the years, we have the wonderful luxury of showrunners coming to us. So it's kind of a feeding frenzy. So it's been great because then we take the liberty of figuring out If there's three offers on the table, what we think, and it's guiding the writers in terms of giving them counsel to see what show we think they're going to have the best chance of success. But we love it. We love that not the tables have turned and we're not so much soliciting our writers, but showrunners know, like, I want a writer from the program. And this is why. Because last year we had a writer and he's great or she's great. And I want another one. And I want another one. So... We do the legwork and our writers come in so prepared because we've been through the system and we've walked them through every scenario, which new writers don't necessarily get. So the great thing is they come to us and most oftentimes we're turning down different shows. And to the idea of playing the long game, what efforts does your program make to keep in touch with the alumni, even though some of them may or may not be staffed that season? Well, it's their job to keep in touch with me and we track them, what shows they're on, what shows they're off, if they're developing And all our alum know, like, I'm going to be your resource for life if this is what you want to do. So I often get calls or emails from people on different shows, not even CBS shows. We're looking for a staff writer. Who do you have? We're looking for a co-producer. Is there anyone in your group? So 
they are soliciting, you know, jobs because they know what we produce. So it is their job to keep in touch. I'll email them. We're looking for a consulting producer. So it's this great community of like the bad version of the Angie's list of it all. That's what it is. It's kind of this online community. We're having this event. Do you want to go to it? Or this show is coming back. We're looking for this. It's great. So how has the program evolved and adapted over the years to suit the ever-changing industry landscape? I think with the volume of content that's out there and the type of material that comes in, one, it's like I have to do a lot of homework in terms of what's out there and what people are writing because we don't hold them to a specific t- – like if procedural crime is not your thing, write what your thing is. And most oftentimes I'm having to do research on some of the shows, especially – the high concept genre shows. I think it's evolved in terms of what we're looking for. Initially, I think it was focused on working with writers and getting their material to a place where we felt comfortable. Now it's 85% of it is about navigating the business. And can you bring up some of those notable success stories? You mentioned April on uh, You're the Worst. All those people that have come out of your program and, and done tremendously. Sure. So Aaron was Sean Thomas. He's an executive producer and he co-runs SWAT with Sean Ryan for us. And he was in our program. And it's a wonderful full circle moment because he's hired in the past two years two people from our program that are thriving and doing well. And that's what we want. We want there to be kind of this like circle specific movement of being in the program, growing, 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 and getting to a place where you have a seat at the table that can influence who gets hired. You know, we've had Denise Tay, and she was in a program and she ran person of interest for us. Angela Kang now running The Walking Dead. And this is a cool story. Jafar Mahmood, he's the producer director on Young Sheldon. And he initially started as a writer In our program, you just never know where people end up, but it's to have the continued support. I think it's also very crucial. Like, I will give you feedback if you want it. And it may not be the feedback you want to hear, but I am willing to give it because that's the only way that you can grow. But take it, don't take it. We're a straight shooter here. And that's the only way we believe it's going to make you a better business person. So just briefly, what are some of the other initiatives for diversity inclusion going on at CBS? And where does the writer's program fit within that? Yes. So we have a bunch of other initiatives. We have a director's program where it's a shadowing program. I serve as somewhat your in-house agent and manager, and it's breaking in television directors. So we're looking for DGA members, first, second ADs, independent filmmakers, commercial directors who want to transition into television. It's a smaller program. We get about four directors, five directors, and we send you to shadow on any of our CBS, CW, CBS studio shows for a duration of a year. And it takes me about two years to break in a new director, which is wonderful and great and hard and challenging. But We think by the access we provide with our directors and them being on set, it helps give them an advantage of being hired. We have also a CBS comedy showcase. It's a sketch showcase that happens in the third week of January, typically every year. And we audition about 4,000 actors, and they put on a 45-minute sketch show in front of probably 2,500 industry execs. And we want them to be booked. We want them (laughs) to be hired. We also have this really phenomenal thing called CBS on Tour, which my boss, Tiffany Smith on Hawaii, developed. And it's a thing where we bring in executives 
And we go to colleges and universities and we talk to the students about careers in television that have nothing to do with writing, directing, or acting. So it's increasing the pipeline by communicating to students that there are jobs within the industry that aren't necessarily what you think it is. Finance, marketing, publicity, promo, studio operations, marketing, current development, all that stuff. And what do you see for the future of the CBS Writers Mentoring Program as well as your other initiatives? With about 110 alum, I'd love to see in the next five to seven years more of our alum producing shows for us. And we, we've gotten close. We've gotten close. A lot of them have developed. But getting a show on broadcast is – it's tough. It's tough. But I love what we've done is created a community where they are close. A lot of our writers – have been in it in a long time, and now they're participating in the Writers Guild Showrunner Training Program. So they're very close to running a show, and we love to see that where they have grown within the business. And we think we had a little bit of something to do with it, but I'd love to see more writers in a position of power to influence the stories that are told, how they're told, who they're hiring, and who they're staffing. What do you feel is the hardest part of your job? And conversely, what is the most rewarding part? I think the hardest part of my job is educating shows about what we do and why we do it. And it's not a program for free writers. It's a program to give an opportunity to a highly qualified writer that didn't get the access. You know, we're getting writers who are coming out of loss. Like, how do they find an agent? We're getting writers who are ER doctors. Like, how do, what's their point of entry? And it's not the conventional way. So I think the hardest thing is educating our showrunners to understand that it's not a program of free writers. It's a program that they can tap into to utilize our resources of what we've done with our writers to give them an advantage. And they come in and they're so qualified. So that's one of the challenges. But we love that challenge because it's educating. I think the biggest rewarding thing is I mean, we're changing writers a lot and we're giving them their first gig where they're leaving their other job, their other high paying, whether it's we had a guy, he was a big ad exec at Facebook, like they're leaving their jobs to start this thing called a writing career. So to be a part of that and to sit on the sideline to watch that all evolve is pretty remarkable on my end. Any final advice for writers looking to submit their material to the CBS Writers Mentoring Program? If you want to be a writer, like just dig in and you could be working your crappy job. But I think it's finding the discipline to write every day, whether it's your job starts at eight, get up at five o'clock and write for 45 minutes in an hour. It's a discipline. It's a craft that you have to, to self-motivate because you're not in a classroom and you're not at a job. You have to self-motivate your stuff. I think it's also finding a group of your peers that are doing the same thing with you at our, at the same level. So it's maybe joining a writing group and it's collaborating because when you're in it, you're in it and you kind of get lost in the weeds. And I think it's finding a support group that can give you the advice and the feedback that I think is going to help you become a better writer. So I think surrounding yourself with like-minded people is essential to your success and sanity, quite frankly. And before we wrap up, can you remind our audience of the CBS Writers Mentoring Program's website as well as the deadlines? Oh, so sure. Go to the CBS Diversity website. It's on our corporate website. We have the Writers Mentoring Program, the Directors Program, and we'd love for you to apply to the Writers Program. Applications are now open and they close on May 1st. 
And we'd love to see your material in. And if you don't get in the first time, try again the next time. And we can't wait to read your writing. Excellent. Well, before we go, if you enjoyed this episode and want to be notified about the next episode of the TV Running Programs series, don't forget to subscribe to our Paper Team podcast, where you will get access to all 130 plus episodes about the craft and business of TV writing, uh, available on both iTunes at paperteam.co slash iTunes and all Android podcatchers at paperteam.co slash Android. And we are now also on Patreon, so consider supporting the podcast on our Patreon page at paperteam.co slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, you'll get stuff like cheat sheets, summaries of our episodes, bonus content, cool merch, so we can keep producing a great show like this one for you every week. So thanks to our listeners for tuning in, and thanks to Jeannie for joining us. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for being here. And uh, you can get all the show notes for this episode at paperteam.co slash 131. As always, I'm on Twitter at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. Uh, can we find you or the program on Twitter or social media? CBS Entertainment Diversity on Twitter, cbsdiversity.com for all our information on our website for all applications. Great. And if you have any thoughts, feedback, ideas for future episodes, you can always send them to ask at paperteam.co. And what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going to be chatting to Karen Horn with the NBC Writers on the Verge program. So tune in for that one. Should be we a good love one. Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone always says that they love the other person who's coming up next. It's fantastic. It's, <laughs> right it's a lovely community. <laughs> I'll see you guys then. Thanks, we'll everyone. We'll see you there.